Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. I need to fix a mistake here. A uh, couple of announcements. Uh, one, just to remind you, we are meeting. There we go. On Wednesdays uh, for take two. It's live here on YouTube at 7 p.m. And we are here in the building as well. If you would like to come, we have room for a few people here. Um, as far as when we will fully be gathering again and not being outside, that's going to be dependent on uh, the virus and things that are happening. Um, I don't know if you're able to see and discern in the news that there is definitely a lot happening back east, Michigan, and those areas where uh, the variant, the new strain is kind of spreading. And so we're going to make sure that we are safe before we just open up to everything. But we are outside. We got a group of people. It's great to see you guys out there. Um, and we hope you guys can join us at least outside. <laughs> and they're very vocal. That's very good. Um, we do want to remind you also that uh, we are not able to gather in the ways that we used to but we still are the church and we still want to do the things we can do for the kingdom of God. And so you can continue to worship with your tithes and offerings. Uh, there's a number of ways that you can. You can do it on Zelle. You can do it on Venmo. You can do it, uh, mail it to our address here at the building or just go to the genesisstory.com and all those things and ways are listed there so that you can continue to worship in your offerings, and we can keep the lights on here. And we are so grateful for all of you who have been faithful in doing that. So thank you again. Well, it's been uh, three weeks, I think, since I touched on our series, really dealing in transformation. Uh, and I want to pick up where we left off a few weeks back, but uh, kind of have to review. I, I want to touch base on some of the things that we have looked at so that if you're stepping into this conversation for the first time, you're not like, what the heck is he talking about and what is all this? Remember, we started off talking about how it is to follow the Lord and really what a disciple is and that it's someone who looks like Jesus. And so if God is love, how do we love like Jesus? And if you can, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. We'll start here. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, 
And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so what we see right off the bat is Jesus is full of grace and truth. And we talked about how grace and truth oftentimes have been looked at as this kind of dichotomy. There's grace on this side, there's truth on this side. It's like grace, oh, we're really forgiving, and then truth is really, I'm gonna call you out and call it as it is. We kind of had the grace and truth matrix, if we remember, where it wasn't, you know, grace is over here and truth is over here. It's more like this is a quadrant or a culture of grace and truth, where there's different aspects of this. If it's high level of truth, low level of grace, it's more of a call-out culture, right? Where I'm going to tell you the truth in love, and there's really little love, and it's really, I just want to call you out. And then if it's a high level of grace, a low level of truth, it's we don't want to make any waves, and so it's really kind of more of a hangout culture. Can't we all just get along, be friends, and if there's something difficult it's unnerving to step into those conversations. And then some of us just check out. It's a low level of grace, low level of truth. We are just kind of burned out and we leave those conversations altogether. But what we see in Christ is a call in that we called it culture. And think about how this takes place, right? This idea of grace is no longer just a definition of unmerited favor which is maybe something you've been taught. Grace is just a pardon from all the wrongs that you've done. But what we see in Christ is a participation of life and the giving of life. And that truth isn't just the the information that is right, but truth is about naming and living in reality as God sees it and includes how God sees you. Think of how this idea of grace and truth shows up in the interaction of Jesus just with Peter. Remember when Jesus first meets Peter and he has them throw the fish or the net on the other side of the boat and they get all these fish. And Peter says, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says to him, follow me. From now on, you will be a fisher of men. Peter tries to to keep the children away from Jesus. Don't bother him. He's busy. Don't you know who this is? This is our king. He's going to be reigned someday. Get these kids away. He's got important things to do. And Jesus says, let the children come to me. The kingdom looks like them. Or Peter argues with the other disciples, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus says, if you want to know who's going to be the greatest, it's the one who serves everybody. These are all Jesus's interaction with Peter in grace and truth. Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, and Peter says, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, I have nothing to do with you. And then Peter says, okay, yeah, you can wash my feet, you can wash my head, go for it. And then, of course, Peter falling asleep in the garden at the moment when Jesus really needed someone. The disciples fell asleep, and Jesus says, could you not stay awake with me for one hour? The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus 
reaches out to them in his moment of weakness. Of course, the denial where Peter denies Jesus three times and Jesus restores Peter and asks him three times if he loves him and then tells him, feed my sheep. This is an example of what grace and truth looks like. It's journeying with, it is pouring life into, it is correcting, instructing, and encouraging Peter in all these areas of his life. It's not just, okay, Peter, that's one, right? That's two, that's three, you're out. There is a continual walking alongside, helping, declaring truth in those moments. The kingdom of God looks like these kids. Don't shoo them away. The the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. These are all things that are truth. But during that time of truth, there is also the embracing of and the journeying with. And that's an important part that we need to understand. That this is what grace and truth looks like in a person's life. And this is what Jesus did with his disciples, what he does with us, and this is what we are to do with one another. We then kind of moved on to talk about how God wants all of who we are. And oftentimes we focus on the things that we do and the things that we say or the things that we believe our doctrine, and then our action. And so we labeled this here the words, which again could be the doctrine and the works or the deeds. But God gets below the surface, and this is kind of our line of awareness, and deals with our wants, that this is an important part of how God deals with us. It's not just on a surface level, but he actually wants to get to the heart of who we are. Jesus leaned into this heavily, right? In the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard it said, you shall not commit murder. I say to you, whoever hates his brother is in danger of judgment. The same is true with lust, with oaths, and how and who we love. He pushes this to get below the surface and say, oh, you guys are just worried about this But this is where it starts from. And he kind of brings that to a culmination in Matthew chapter 15. In verses 18 and 19, he says, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Where do these things come from? They come from our desires. They come from the heart. They come from the things that are deep within us. And what God is wanting to do is not just put a white wash coat over what we look like, but actually get to the heart of who we are. And transformation has to include all of this. Otherwise, we're not really changed. And so looking at this, then we try to to see where are those moments where God starts to bring about the change, where he is working in our lives. And we've named these things the kairos moments. And remember that word kairos represents an opportune moment, right? It's a moment that is seized or identified rather than just passed by. A kairos is an opportunity for something to change, to happen. 
for us to be aware of what is happening and how God is working and speaking to us. That's where the transformation takes place. And often it's in this place of our want, in this place of our emotion, in this place of desire that we are able to then detect and see. And so we talked last time about detecting these areas, right? Having an awareness of these kairos moments. And remember in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Now, these words aren't about answering an altar call. These words are about stepping into a living relationship. These words were addressed to a church in Revelation. It's really addressed to us. And we don't have to beg for God to act. We just have to open the door. Because God is already speaking, already acting, already working. Most of the time, we are just not aware that there are these kairos moments that happen throughout our day, throughout our life, that we don't understand. There is a knocking that happens, I believe, continually in in so many ways that we just need to be aware of these things. You know, you're moved by a song. You're struck by a passage of scripture. A conversation with somebody stays in your mind. You, you find yourself anxious whenever a certain topic comes up. All these things are, are knocking on the door. All these things are moments. All these things are opportunities for us to engage in a deeper way. But what we tend to do is something happens. We become aware of it. And we are moved emotionally. And even if we're moved in a way of anger, what we want to do is, well, we're going to answer it. Well, it's because I was tired. It's because I was hungry. Um, It's because of these things I got just emotional. In other words, it's just because of these events that this happened. And so we justify the event that happened or else we excuse the event that happened. You know, well, that's just how I am. I'm just very, you know, OCD in these things. And so those kinds of things really bother me. And what we tend to do is excuse it or fix it. But really what we're doing is ignoring it. We're, we're pushing it aside and not leaning into it because that moment is wanting to speak more. But we're just saying, shh, shh, shh quiet. Have you ever been there? You're in an argument with someone um, and usually you're in the wrong, right? And they start wanting to talk about it. Right? They're like, well, you know, and you say, I, I know, I'm sorry. And it's like, well, hold on. <laughs> I'm not through yet, right? I know you're sorry, but I want you to understand how it affected me. Uh, maybe it's, you know, something that just happens in my life, but I don't think so. I think we all do this in some ways, right? We, we, we want to shut the conversation down because we're uncomfortable. 
Well, let me tell you, I feel like you were insensitive. Yeah, 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 I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But you've done this before. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We just want to stop it. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. And instead of taking it and leaning into it and trying to let it teach us, we try to silence it. We want to get rid of the discomfort instead of letting it transform us. And this whole idea here is about change taking place in our lives. So many times people want God to speak to them. They want God to be a part of their life. They, they so want to have you know, this dynamic living relationship with God and they want to know the will of God. What's the will of God for my life? You know, Is it okay to do this? Should I take this job? Should I marry this person? What should I do? What is the will of God? We all wanna know what the will of God is. And then God is speaking to us in all these multitudes of ways and we keep silencing it, silencing it, silencing it. And then we want the big things to come out. And maybe what we need to do is listen to those little voices and it will guide us into some of the bigger arenas of our life so that we actually hear his voice. As Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Well, it doesn't happen just on the big things. It happens in the daily things. And these are the ways that it happened. And so we are talking about how to detect the the work of God in our lives, how to respond to it, because this is discipleship. This is where transformation takes place within us. And so we use this word kairos. Now, why use this word? Because it's so strange. Whenever we go to a different language, we were just talking this morning about the right way to say Columbia because that's not the right way, apparently. At least if you're from Colombia, it's Colombia, right? But if I went around, hey, yeah, are you from Colombia, right? If you weren't, you'd say, what are you talking about? But this word kairos, it's a, a foreign word to us. So why not just say, you know, hey, I noticed that God might work in this way. I, I'm aware of God working. Why use a different word? Why put this out there? And it's important to understand how words affect us. Sociologists tell us that language creates culture. As we name things, we are able to see them and reality in a new way. And here's an amazing example. There is no mention of the color blue until modern times. No ancient language had a word for blue. Didn't find it in the Greek, Chinese, Japanese, or Hebrew. And without a word for the color, there is no good evidence that they saw it at all. It doesn't mean the color didn't exist, but they didn't see it because there was not a name for it. And a researcher named Jules Davidoff put this to a test. This is mind-blowing to me. By going to the Himba tribe in Nambia, and they had no word for blue in this tribe. 
and in their language that just didn't exist. And so they had experiments showing that they could not distinguish between green and blue when shown the two colors. They did not see the difference because there was no word for blue. But people from cultures with a word for blue can easily spot the difference. Isn't that fascinating? But what's also interesting is that they had more words for the shades of green than we do, and they were more easily able to distinguish between those that they had multiple words for than we are because they saw the nuance of the variances of colors. Blue wasn't just, it wasn't a color that they were familiar with. There's ancient writings where they called the ocean dark wine because that was their description. Davidoff says that without a word for a color, without a way of identifying it as different, it is much harder for us to notice that it is something unique about it. They don't see the difference, even though our eyes are physically seeing it. So before blue became a common concept, maybe humans saw it, but it seems they didn't know they were seeing it. Crazy. By giving something a word, trying to make an awareness, what if we can use this word kairos to help bring us into an understanding that God is closer than we imagined, that he is speaking more than we thought, that we have a word to help us identify him and his working in our lives instead of just putting it out there. Oh yeah, God is speaking to me. No, this is a moment an opportunity to grasp where transformation can take place. What if this is one of these times where we can pivot and allow this transformation to happen within us? When something has a name, we can suddenly see it. Same thing happens when you buy a new car, right? You buy a Subaru and all of a sudden you realize how many Subarus are out there. Everyone has an Outback. Why? No, they've always had it. You just didn't see it until you got one, and now everyone has it. Fernandez have one. The Collins have one. I mean, all these people have Subarus now. They've always been there. I just wasn't aware because this opened my eyes. How do we open our eyes to God? Let's take this word, kairos, and use it as an opportunity to name something so that we can see it so that it can have an effect in us. Let's not blow this off and say, oh, it's just another word. We don't have to go there. I I want to open up my awareness. And if I can use a word to help me open this up, then I'll use it. And I hope you will too. I hope we can take this word and start looking at it. And it'd be great, you know, hey, I had a Kairos the other day and someone sitting next to me, you had a what? Right, And then you can explain, oh, these are opportunities where our life is being challenged and and being assaulted by the kingdom of God so that I'm having to be confronted with it 
with compassionate curiosity in grace and truth. That God is journeying with me and, and here's a moment where he's wanting to shape me. And I heard it. I saw it. That's blue. And I see it. We need language to be able to see and name experiences. And experiences you're probably already having, but because we don't have language for it, we can't easily see it. Just like the Himba tribe couldn't see the color blue. And unless we have a language, we, we don't see God sometimes in the present. Language gives us access to a reality that's hidden in plain sight. Just we didn't name it. We didn't acknowledge it. I remember years ago at a home Bible study, there was a man there. I don't remember his name. Auntie, you might remember his name. Um, but I remember him saying, God doesn't speak to me. I've never had the Lord speak to me because people would say, oh, the Lord spoke to my heart and the Lord ministered to me. And I remember him just saying, God doesn't speak to me. And I remember being puzzled by that, thinking, how do I you know, make that happen? Because I know God's speaking, but this is just it. He just didn't see the color blue. He didn't have a name for it. He didn't have an understanding because God is speaking to everybody. He is standing at the door knocking. We don't have to beg, God, please speak to me. We have to open the door. We have to be able to, to understand it. And so let's name it. Let's help people see and understand. Let's help our own hearts see and understand that God is speaking. And Jesus was trying to open the disciples' eyes to what God was doing. He, he was constantly trying to unveil the will of God to them in the present time. We get an example of this in Matthew chapter 9. Verse 36, when he saw, Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, I pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers to his harvest. You see, he was saying, I see these people. They are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And there needs to be people like what I'm doing and like what I want you to do to come and help them to understand that they are not forgotten, they are not abandoned, that their voices are heard, that God has their ear, that God sees them, that God wants to journey with them in grace and in truth. But we need people to be able to do that. You see, Jesus saw a harvest in people where they just saw people. Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. They just saw people. And maybe they even classified them differently. Oh, those are the Gentiles. Those are the heathen. Oh, those are the fishermen. Oh, those are the tax collectors. Oh, those are, and you can name the people and you can name the thing. Oh, those are people. They belong to this sect. They belong to this religion. They believe this. And Jesus saw this multitude as sheep without a shepherd. He saw things differently and he named it to them. And he said, we need to pray that the Lord bring people to help them see that they are part of this fold, that God cares for them and is wanting to draw them to himself. 
And this is why I think it's so helpful to have specific words, to see the dynamic, to notice God in the midst of our everyday lives. This is why it's helpful to learn to say, I think I'm having a kairos right now. I think something's going on. I think there's an awakening taking place within me about the situation or about myself. I'm aware of something going on. I'm being moved by this event, and I'm not really sure why. I need to lean into it because maybe there is the whisper of God. If I just still myself long enough, maybe I can hear the voice of God. And isn't that what we want? What an amazing thought to hear God speak to us. This week, we want to notice these things. I I want to challenge us to be aware of kairos moments that happen. And I want to give you some maybe helps in understanding them. I'll give you like four metaphors of the different types of kairos moments. And maybe even as I mention these, some things will jump out to you. The first one is a brick wall. A brick wall kairos moment is a big event that brings life to a sudden stop or shift. It could be the death of someone we love. It could be the birth of a child. It could be losing a job. Yesterday, got to officiate Dave and Jamie's wedding, Kairos moment. Jamie shared with us she'd been single for 18 years. And she knew this was going to be a change. And it was one of the things I shared with them in their vows. This is a pivotal moment for you guys. You see, it's a, it's a brick wall. You can't escape this. Life has changed now. From this day forward, it's different. And so there are some moments like that where it happens to us. You can't miss them. Then there are other moments, they're more like speed bumps. You know speed bumps, there's different sizes. There's some you can cruise right over and it's just a little doodunk. And there's some, man, it'll send the back end of your car just flying, right? But a speed bump is a little event that seems to happen repeatedly, a, a pattern or a habit that sticks out for you. For example, you notice your irritable with your spouse or friends when you get home from work. When Corrine and I first got married, I had not woken up to someone else being there with me for as long as I can remember. And I remember her telling me, you need to stop being grouchy when you wake up. And I had no awareness that I was grouchy. No one ever told me that because there was no one ever there. And all of a sudden, it was like an awareness. It's like, oh, man. You see, I was totally ignorant to that because it wasn't on my palate. I did not see that. She made me aware of that. That was a Kairos moment that happened 30-some years ago. I think I'm better. (laughs) Or you notice that you're consistently late to an appointment or a meeting or an event. Why? Why are you late to that event, but you're on time 
to these other things? What's that telling you? You find that you help out with household chores and all of a sudden the, the mood of your spouse is better. <laughs> Hello? You consistently hide when the in-laws are over. You notice a certain hobby is refreshing and life-giving to you. Whenever I do this, man, I just lose track of time. See, these are all speed bumps. These are all moments that are happening to us that are speaking to us, not quite like the brick wall, but they're still speaking to us. I know recently I've been having thoughts about starting a podcast about people and their dogs. Right? Just, I, I, I don't really need one more thing to do, but I find myself having conversations about this while I'm driving. When I sit down on the computer, I want to type some things up, get some things. It's just something that's on my mind. Just a speed bump right now in my life that's speaking to me that I want to lean into to see what's going on. The other way is like a mirror. A mirror, Kairos, is where you see yourself more clearly, more like who you really are. You, you get a picture or a description that fits you. This is an experience of a, oh my goodness, that's me. Right? We talked about that with David in 2 Samuel where Nathan the prophet came up to him and talked about the sheep and this guy who stole this poor farmer's sheep. And, and David was like, ah, oh, that guy, he's got to die. And then Nathan said, you're the man. Oh my goodness, that's me. Right? Or I never saw myself that way. Sometimes it can be positive. right? Perhaps when someone comments on, oh man, you're real patient with your kids or I, I love the way you do this thing and you're like, oh wow, I wasn't aware of that. So it doesn't have to be negative. It could be positive, but sometimes it might be more negative. Like when someone comments on how difficult it is to talk with you. You're so impatient. You, you, you don't let me finish my thoughts. You don't let me finish my words. You're always interrupting me. And it's like, oh my goodness, that's me. It's a mirror. It's showing you a part of yourself that maybe you didn't see. And the last one is vision. A vision, Kairos, is a picture or a description of where you'd like to go in the kingdom where you would like to see your life in the kingdom of God and how it can be of use and of influence. It's a revelation of the good future that God is pulling you into, right? Maybe you even see someone who's parenting in a way that you really admire and you'd like to adopt as your style or the way they conduct themselves and speak. And you say, oh man, I really want to live like that. I admire that quality in them and I see that as a good quality to adopt into my life. You, you get a glimpse of where God wants to take you. Often, often it's accompanied by a deep, yes, that's what I want. It, it rings true to you. It swells up inside a, a feeling, a calling in this way. This has happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. There, there's been times where I've heard someone speak publicly and I just, the way they speak, it just resonates within me. Even the style of things and the way a person teaches. 
where it's like, you know, this person isn't just giving Bible information. This person is actually giving transformation instead of information. I, I'm, I'm seeing something that's able to change me and not just feed my head. And it motivates the way I want to speak and teach. Not that one is wrong and the other one's right, but it's pulling me into something else. And it's happened to me time and time again where I, I feel this is what I'd like to do because this has been meaningful to me. Now, I have some homework for you this week. And I hope you'll take it. I, I hope you'll see this as, this isn't a Bible study. This is a time for us to lean into the working of God and, and how it shapes and changes our life. Right? And, and the work we put into it is going to really determine how much we get out of it. When I'm working with people and their dogs, I, I'm telling people, I'm not training your dog, I'm training you to train your dog. If you do what I'm showing you to, how to do, you'll have a better dog. If you just take this day and say, oh, that was nice, tomorrow your dog's gonna wake up and he's gonna own the place just like he does today. Bless you. So at the end of each day, take a few minutes, five, 10 minutes to prayerfully reflect on the day looking for Kairos moments. Look back and the things that stand out to you from that day. Now, if you're going through a moment during that day and it stands out to you, maybe even jot it down. Make a mental note so you're not like me and just forget everything. Go through the events and the conversations of the day using these questions as a way to help you notice your Kairos moments. And I'm gonna put these questions up so that you can look at them and maybe even write them down. Number one, what were the high points? Name those high points, those times where you felt like, man, this is wonderful. This is really cool. I'm really being fed by this. Something is making me feel alive, inspiring me. Ben shared with me this week, the word enthusiasm has that idea to it where you're, it's putting life into you. What were the low points? What took the breath out of you? Right? What knocked the wind out of you? What were the things that really struck you? They kind of like a punch to the gut maybe or to the ego. Again, these are Kairos moments. Where did you experience peace, inspiration, or beauty? What was happening when you felt that way, when you were moved in that way, when you were in awe of that situation? Were there moments of success or breakthrough where you felt like, wow, that was an awakening? Something took place within you that opened your eyes or helped you get past something or you felt like a burden was lifted. Last, did you experience harmony or joy in relationships? Remember, relationships are the way that we are able to encounter God probably most often. John said that we will know that we have 
loved God if we love one another. So did you experience harmony or joy of joy in a relationship? Write down these moments. Put them to the test. And let's see if God is not maybe every day speaking to us when we're able to name these things, when we're able to see these things, we're able to see a color that we had not noticed before, we're able to name something that we were not naming before, where we're able to lean into something and let it start to work within us. This is all continuing part of this detecting, all right? This is where we want to lean. Instead of going, okay, I feel something. Okay, I'm just going to read some Bible verses and stop feeling that way. No, why are you feeling this way? What is it showing you about you? What are you needing to change? What are you having to lean into in a relationship with somebody that needs to change, right? This is pushing you somewhere, not just silence it. Look for those moments that come to mind as you reflect on your day And then find someone you can share these moments with. Have a friend that you can call and say, hey, something happened to me. I want to talk about it. Get feedback from it. Get a little bit more understanding of that color. Get a little bit more input onto maybe what it is you encountered. Get another perspective that helps you see it a little bit better so that you can understand it a little bit more. Yesterday, as I was putting this together, I was thinking to myself, you know what? I don't know how this is going to go over. I, I mean, I think that every week, but I was thinking, you know what? This isn't your typical Bible study. And I don't know if people are tracking with this or not. And it was a moment for me. It was a speed bump for me that I was having at that point. And I had to lean into that moment and really ask myself, what do you want to give to people? What are you trying to produce? What are you wanting people to see? Because what I want, and, and this is where I take my role as a pastor serious, right? What I want is for you to hear from him daily in your life. What I want for you is to be moved by him because your ear is listening and your heart is open. What I want for you is not to be dependent on me or on a church to have a living, dynamic relationship with the God who wants to walk with you in grace and truth. What I want for us is to be a people who have our antenna up and are moved by the Spirit of God and we hear his voice and we follow him. I want you to hear and be moved. I want you to be transformed by him, not by me alone. And if I can start a conversation with you and him, then I've done what I want to do. I don't want to fill that conversation. I just want to start it with you. Can I 
introduce you. Have you met my God? Do you see the color blue? Because now I can't not see it. It's everywhere. He's everywhere. May this start something revolutionary in your hearts. May kairos be a word that is on the tip of your tongue when something happens and you're wondering what it is. May the word kairos come to mind and you lean into it and see what is this? Is this a speed bump? Is this a mirror? Is this a vision? Usually we know when they're block walls. A brick wall hits us usually and we can't avoid it. But I have a feeling there's a lot of moments we're missing just because we did not name them. So let's not do that anymore. Let's allow the voice of God to be evident in our lives. Let's pray. Father, may we hear your knock and open the door. May we see things that we have not seen before. May we have eyes to see, ears to hear, even as you have said. That, that makes so much sense. As we can often live our lives blind and deaf to what you are doing and saying all around us. So I pray, God, that if, if there is anyone here listening right now, watching later on even, where these words spark something, they are the springboard to that time when you did speak to them, when you did open up yourself to them, when grace and truth were flowing from you to them, when you were knocking on their door and wanting to transform their lives. May, may a moment come to mind. May an event come to mind. May an uncomfortable situation come to mind that was normally ignored, avoided. And may it, it instead be leaned into. May we detect it so that we can move towards it and see what it is trying to do within us. And God, I pray for those people who are even now aware of things that are afraid to lean into them because it's going to be uncomfortable. Help us, God, to have courage, to tell the story of who we are with our whole heart maybe to that person who we're afraid to share with. Give us courage, God, so that we can change for the good. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. May the word kairos be a part of your vocabulary. And may it help you to see what you've been blind to before. May your heart and eyes be open to the work of God. And 
allow that work to transform you. God bless you, love you, take care, be safe, everyone. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.